everyone, and welcome to Life Hacks for Working Moms, the podcast that helps you overcome the overwhelm, embrace the chaos, and cultivate a life you love. My name is Megan Strand, and it is so fabulous to be here with you today. Thanks so much for tuning in. As you know, this whole month, we are talking about you and how to start the year off right by taking good care of yourself. And today we dig into love, not love for your spouse or your children or your pets or your job, love for yourself. And I am so excited to be joined today by a master at all things love. And that is the lovely Julie Jeske, who is an individual and couples counselor focused on intimacy, relationships, and sexuality. Hi, Julie. Hi, Megan. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, it's such a thrill. It's such a thrill. You have a great online course that you developed called Shower Yourself with Love, and it's all about self-love. And I was hoping you could start us off today by sharing why you felt it was important to develop this course. Self-love is, even though I focus um, primarily on relationships in my office, self-love comes up with every single client that I work with. Because in order to love another person, you have to love yourself first. And we don't talk about the importance of self-love in our culture. You know, we, we glorify romantic love and partnered love, which is a fantastic, wonderful thing. Um, but we often expect people to um, put other people before themselves. We talk about self-love as being selfish. Um, we don't necessarily give self-love the value that it needs. And if we don't have self-love, eventually it gets really hard to focus on love of others or even just um, maintaining connection and relationships with other people without feeling depleted. So, so how do you define self-love? I mean, it's, it sort of sounds like a little bit of a woo-woo term. So how are we, how do you define this? I define self-love as love of self right? So it's how you feel about yourself. It's you caring for yourself. It's you attending to yourself. It's you valuing yourself. It's, it's, it's the love that you have for who you are. Not when you're a good person, not when you're an excellent mom and you're like packing the healthiest lunches out there. Not when you're a dope spouse who's like greeting your partner at the door with a smile. It, it doesn't matter if you're being a great person in the world or you're having a crappy day, right? Self-love is this um, constant love and caring that you have for yourself, no matter what's going on around you. And I, I think in your course, you talked a little bit about how you talk to yourself as well. And maybe you could touch upon that a little bit, because I would imagine that that plays into it or feeds self-love or takes away from it to a certain mm-hmm. extent as well. Let me give you... Um, like an example that I think will resonate with a lot of women and moms. Um, So if you, when you were growing up, how you talk, how your mom talked to you about your body, about your appearance made an impact, right? Right. Um, And most moms are very conscientious about speaking to their daughters with love and um, not putting pressures upon appearance and and really helping them cultivate a sense of self-love, right? However, if your mom told you you were beautiful and then you overheard her looking in the mirror saying, "Ugh, I look so fat today or I'm so tired or my hair looks like straw or something, uh, my thighs are so dimply or I wish my breasts were bigger, whatever we hear 
our moms say, that gets internalized as well. So how you talk to yourself about yourself not only affects your ability for self-love, but it, it gets picked up by the little people around you as well. So sometimes the messages we get about self-love, we're told we're lovely, but then we see someone else say that they're not so much lovely, that that gets wired in also. And that affects how you talk to yourself then in the future. And then how your children hear you talk to yourself, you know. Totally. One of the things that I mention in the class is, you know, every time you look in the mirror, before you go to that place of, oh, I have circles under my eyes or um, I look so tired today or my hair is to this or it's not enough this or my body's to this or it's not enough this, find one thing you love, one thing. And the first time it might have to be something really like, slightly superficial, like, well, the blue, the blue makes my eyes look really pretty, or I have a nice smile. You know, it might not be like, I have the smokiest body I've ever seen. <laughs> but the more you can do that and truly believe it, the less you start paying attention to the other things. What we put our attention on amplifies. So the more I put my attention on my positive qualities, uh, my love for myself, love begets love. It's the same as if we're putting our attention on the things we don't love, right? The more I focus on my um, belly, my post-baby belly, and how much I hate the way it sags over when I roll on my side, right? The bigger that gets, not just in my, in my body, right? What we put our attention on amplifies. And so what I really want to do is help women put, ampli- uh, put attention on their own personal love, their relationship with themselves, their loving relationship with themselves. Let's talk about a little bit about what happens when that self-love gets depleted. It's either not there or you're not taking good care of yourself, which we'll talk about in just a minute, but you have a really interesting take on how that breeds resentment. And I would love to hear a little bit about that because that's a pretty ugly, yes. ugly phenomenon. Right. If, if, when in relationship, it can breed resentment. And when you, when I'm working with someone who's not in relationships, not in like romantic relationship or it has, it doesn't have children. It can, it can breed self-doubt and self-hatred. So I believe that self-love is created. It's the, it's the role of a parent to, to instill a child with self-love. You have 18 years, right? To really help a child learn that they're lovable. Not if they, only if they get A's, not only if they're adorable and look really cute in a little dress, not only (laughs) if they eat all of their dinner, right? That they are lovable just by the nature of who they are. If you don't receive that from a parent or a caregiver growing up, you may come into my office and find a really hard time, uh, you know, have a really hard time believing that you're lovable. Right. So sometimes that sometimes that's going on. Sometimes we feel lovable, like we feel like our parents did a pretty good job, but we're so busy in the world, we're pulled in so many different directions, especially those of us who are parents, who have partners, who are working in the world, like we have so many different responsibilities. There's not necessarily room for love, self-love. And that's when it can breed resentment. If all I'm doing is putting my attention on other people, even if it starts from a loving place, even if I really truly at my core care about the people that I'm giving love to and the projects that I'm giving love to, you know, if I'm only doing output, eventually 
I'm going to run out. I need to fill my own bucket up as well. And if I don't, I will give and give and give and give until there's nothing left. And then I'm going to feel resentful about it. And then the very thing that I was doing in order to create connection and help someone else feel good is going to make me feel horrible, Mm. bitter. That's interesting. Resentment in a relationship, especially I, when couples come to me, um, and there's resentment already there, it's really hard to shift. I think of resentment like putting food color in a bathtub, okay? So you put one drop of food coloring in a bathtub and it barely changes the color of the water. You put a couple drops, it starts to change. You put a bunch of drops, it changes the water. Once I put the drops in, they become part of that water. It's really hard to remove it. Can't take it out. No, so resentment, so my... One of my passions is helping people to, you know, create solutions for their life before they get to that place. The other thing that can happen is people can get sick. You know, it's like think of the women you know or the people you know who give and give and give and give until they have nothing left to give and they end up with some sort of, you know, mono or something that takes them out for a long time or, you know, some like walking pneumonia that won't go away or even, you know, something worse, some sort of disease or an injury. It's like, the stories of people who, you know, are so busy and so exhausted and so depleted and then they slip on a crack in the sidewalk and end up with a broken leg and then that forces them for downtime. Right. Forces them to take care of themselves. Right. I want to help people find a way to take care of themselves and love themselves without being forced to do it because that's a really painful process. No, absolutely. And that's why we have you on the show today. So Mm -hmm. talk about a couple of things that women can do to prioritize self-love. You've got some great little exercises. If Maybe you could share just a couple. Sure. One of the things that I like to ask myself and I'll have my clients do the same thing is how are you putting yourself in the equation? Like that's just a little small thing that you can kind of use as your North star as you go about your day. How am I putting myself in the equation, right? It doesn't mean how am I only doing what I want and, you know, who cares about everybody else in my life? (laughs) It's like put yourself in the equation means your children can be in the equation too. And so can your partner, right? Um, And so that's my guiding light. If I need a reminder, I'll put it on my phone. It's my screensaver. I'll put post-it notes around. I'll write it on my, you know, mirror with lipstick. Julie, are you putting yourself in the equation today? How are you going to put yourself in the equation? Um, If people have a to-do list or... um, or action items that they that they want to look at each day. Um, write me at the top of your list and make sure you're doing something for yourself first today. That something could be as small as sitting for five minutes while you drink your coffee, right. eating a meal, not standing over the sink in the kitchen. <laughs> right? It's like it doesn't have to be this huge thing. And we can talk more about how to fit it into a busy life, right? Or different, you know, small things. I'm all about small because I'm busy. Exactly. So something that's small so I can fit it in there. So you put me at the top of your to-do list. Or if there's a specific thing you know you want to do, you put that thing on the top. You schedule it into your life. Um, I'll have people make a list of 10 things you love about yourself. So when you're going through your day and you just had a horrible meeting and you forgot something and you felt like you looked like an idiot in front of everybody, you pull out your list and you read 10 things about yourself that are lovable. So that you don't forget. Because again, what we put our attention on amplifies. So if you're only putting your attention on how people are reacting to you, your kid telling you that you're the worst mom ever and your partner looking disappointed again, (laughs) you're tired for intimacy, it's like, what can you do to remind yourself that you are lovable? So you have to make the list not when you're feeling unlovable, right? You make the list 
and then you use it when you're feeling. I love that because it's, it's so many of us turn, at least I do, to external validation of ourselves that we're worthy or we're worth it or you know we can, we can take the time or we get permission. So yes. I love giving yourself permission, putting yourself first on the to-do list and making a list of things you love about yourself. Great yeah. ideas, great ideas. So talk a little bit about the difference between self-love and self-esteem. You kind of touched on it a little bit, just kind of that inherent sense of worth. Right. But but how do you differentiate the two? Self-esteem is I did a good job, right? I got all A's. I finished the project and people told me I'm brilliant. Self-love is just this inherent belief that you are lovable. Self-esteem is, it comes from an external source. Self-love comes from an internal source. So it's that unconditional love for yes. yourself piece. Yes. And they both feel lovely. Like, you know, when I talk about the importance of self-love, it doesn't mean self-esteem isn't important either, right? But self-love, it's like your it's like your beacon in the storm. It's the thing. It's a, I want it to be a constant for people that even when I'm, you know, in the throes of the, you know, 3 a.m. witching hour and I've got a crying baby who doesn't want to go to sleep and I feel exhausted and I feel like I'm not a good mom, at my core, I still know I'm a lovable person. If there's a difference between being a good mom in a moment and being a lovable person. Right. And I want, you know, the more you feel lovable, the easier it is to feel like you, um, to feel that self-esteem just because you feel like you did a good job for something doesn't mean you're going to feel lovable all the time though. You know, and if, yeah, if, that makes if sense. you're only operating from a place of self-esteem, then it's too, uh, it's too varied. It's too much of a roller coaster. Sometimes I feel good and sometimes I don't. And then you're also striving, 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 striving to make other people happy. And there's that depletion again, right? right. No, that makes sense. So what about, it was interesting that you differentiate in your course between self-love and self-care, because I think most of us think of self-love as self-care. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. I think self-care can be very loving. You know, I think self-care can be an act of love for yourself. Um, I think self-care is really important. I think self-care is easier when you have that foundation of self-love. Um, you know, a lot of people that I talk to think self-care is a reward. Like if I do a really good job or if I clean the house all day long, then I can sit on the couch and read a magazine. Right. Or if I get through this project, if I work really hard all week, then I can take a day off. And I don't think of self-care as a reward. Self-care is the foundation. And if, the more I care for myself, the more capacity I have to do the things in my life, you know? That, that can feel so selfish though. Like how do you, cause I think, I think I absolutely do think of self-care as a reward. Like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And then maybe I'll get a massage. You know, like it has, there has to be a carrot to justify that self-care piece. And I think, you know, especially if you're dealing with a partner and a couple of kids and it's like, okay, I'm going to go off for two hours and do this all by myself. It feels very selfish. Yeah. That's part of the messaging that I think we get in our culture. I think all genders get it, but I think women especially and mothers, it's like amplified, right? We have this idea that focusing on ourselves is selfish. I think there's a continuum. So if at one end we have selfish and the other end we have selfless, I don't want to be on either ends of that continuum because selflessness, selflessness <laughs> become martyrdom. Right. Oh, don't worry about me. <laughs> 
I'll eat when everybody's done. <laughs> anything left over, you know, like that's not healthy either. And being selfish isn't isn't a healthy way of being in the world, right? But that's not what I'm advocating for. Taking two hours out of a week, like one of the things that might be helpful too is to like think about if a friend was telling you wanted they wanted to do this, would you be like, oh my gosh, you are such a horrible mom for wanting to go get a massage <laughs> after your work week. How awful, right? We hold ourselves up to this, this standard that I don't think we would hold anybody up to. Self-care is important. You know, it's like, I don't know, let me think of analogy, a car. We have to take care of our cars in order for them to work. You cannot run your car into the ground, never get an oil change, never clean it out and expect it to keep running, okay? Um, an instrument, we have to clean an instrument, we have to practice it in order to play it. Our, our oven, you have to keep cleaning it in order for it to work. It's like we know that we have to take care of inanimate objects. We know we have to take care of the people in our lives. Yet we treat ourselves or see ourselves through a totally different lens. So outside of, let's say, getting a massage, which was my example, or I don't know, taking a bath or reading a book, what are some interesting examples of self-care that you've heard people put on their list of things that they want to prioritize? Self-care is just doing something that makes you feel good, something that fills up your bucket that makes you feel loved. So for some people, doing an art project would feel like self-care. For some people, going to Target by themselves without any self-care. Now, when people tell me that, I'm like, that's awesome. Let's come up with another thing, too. Here's a word. Here's a word I like to think of with self-care. Nourishing. Oh, that's a good one. Nourish you. So sometimes we'll be like, oh, watching, you know um, – the Real Housewives is my self-care. And it's like, okay, I don't have a problem with TV. I do, like, I like things in doses because sometimes self-care, like what comforts us, what nourishes us can become, Jennifer Loudon has the term shadow comfort, um, which I really like. It, it's like, it feels like it's going to be comforting and we do too much of it and it actually depletes us. It's like ice cream can be self-care, totally for me. Sweets can be like a pastry. Are you kidding me? I can feel like that's self-care. But if I eat the whole bag of chips or the whole ice cream, then I feel worse afterwards. Right, right. right. Um, this is a wild example. Going to like a shooting range. Like, you know, it's like something that you – your self-care could be totally different than someone else's self-care. Someone might say reading through a, a magazine is self-care for me and someone else might be like, that's just mindless for me. Right, you know? right. Um, a nourishing meal, exercise for some people is self-care. For some people, it feels like um, that's another like work kind of thing. Right. I like to think about um, sensuality as part of self-care. And so when I use the word sensuality, I'm referring to what engages your senses, your five senses. Mm. So if you're engaging your sense of smell and taste, like I can go for a walk and walk my dogs and be super practical. I can go for a walk and engage my sensuality and like let my fingers brush up against that bush and like not pull my phone out and look at Instagram while I'm walking. <laughs> really look at the way the wind is touching the trees. Feel the wind against my skin. Simple as that. And that feels like self-care to me. That's a great Engage example. Your senses. Slow down. Nourish yourself. Well, and speaking of slowing down, you probably have a lot of people saying they just don't have time for it. Like, yeah, that all sounds great. Right. And I just don't have time. Yeah. What do you say to that? Well, I'm, I, I'm of two minds. I'm so empathetic to the plight of busy people. Right. And I also kind of have to, 
I have a little bit of a hard stance on that. Like I don't totally buy that no one can find 10 minutes. That's what I'm asking for. 10 minutes to shower yourself with love. That's it. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't, most people I know spend more than 10 minutes on social media and don't feel great about it. Like they're scrolling through news feeds, right? Or they're getting uh, pulled into Pinterest. (laughs) You know, it's like, 10 minutes. I can think of all the ways that I waste 10 minutes. I can think of all the ways that I spend 10 minutes thinking about all the things that I should do. Right. Um, so all I'm at, and if you can't do 10 minutes, then I would say five minutes. Like I've, I've yet to find a person who couldn't find five Five minutes. minutes. Yeah. And so in that amount of time, like, yeah, you can't get a massage in five minutes. You can sit and you could meditate. You could sit and breathe. You could write. I think self-care writing. So one of the things I love to do is go to um, a cafe or a coffee shop, drink my coffee slowly and not have to warm it up 10 times in the microwave. <laughs> interrupted, right? Um, and write in my journal. I oh, that's like, a good one. I will go and I'll write for work. I'll write a, you know, a blog entry or write a newsletter, you know, do something like that. Write a course. For me, self-care is going and writing in my journal. And you can do that in five minutes. And and that's self-love too because I'm connecting in with myself. I'm like really – I'm checking in and I'm connecting. How am I feeling? What's lovable about me? Um, You know, what do I I love about my life right now? What do I want? One of the ways I put myself in the equation is I will journal on what do you want? What do you want? What do I want? I want want this. I want a massage. I want to walk in the grass with bare feet. I want to go to Paris. I want – to sit and breathe for five minutes. I want to add more activity in my life. I want, and you know, it's a way to get clear about ways you could prioritize yourself without thinking about like, yeah, but is that practical? Or do I have space for that? Or, but what do my kiddos want? Or what does my honey want? You know, it's like those things are important, but taking five minutes to really focus on what you want will help give you some direction as you're trying to implement, implement some of these things. That's a great idea. So do you feel like a prescription for success could be literally 10 minutes a day? Yeah. Self-care, self-love. Yes. Yes. Let this be a part of your daily practice because the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. I want self-love to just be an intrinsic part of everyone's core. And so if I am being loving to myself or practicing self-care, then that is going to love begets love. It's going to breed more of the same. And it becomes a habit. You know, it's like, if you think about exercise, the more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you take time for yourself, the more you focus on yourself, the more you love yourself, the easier it gets. And my one little kind of, you know, last little um, plug for mothers, I guess, is (laughs) if you can model this for your children. Yeah. I don't want people to do self-love just for their kids, but sometimes that's what mamas need <laughs> to be like. It's true. No, it's very true. I had a friend who, when her when her daughter was little, she would just pop down on the couch with a book and just let her daughter kind of run around and, and her husband would be like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm modeling good reading behavior for our daughter, <laughs> which she was. And she was also doing what she, you know, self, self-love for herself. Right. I loved it. I loved it. Well, this is fabulous. I highly, highly recommend anybody listening to this podcast right now that you check out Julie's course, Shower Yourself with Love. Julie, where can people find that course and more about you online? They can go to my website, juliejeski.com. And I've got all of my courses listed there and they're in 
PDF form so you can do them at your own pace. And there's exercises, activities, videos that will break it down for you. And then I'm on all of the social media platforms as well. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and try to post things about self-love and intimacy and romance and sensual living regularly. She is. She's fabulous. Definitely a person you want to follow. I will include those links in the show notes. And of course, you can find life hacks for working moms at lh4wm.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Megan Strand. And on behalf of Julie and myself, thanks so much for joining us today for this episode of Life Hacks for Working Moms. And we'll catch you next time. 